I'm going to call the meeting to order. Clerk will call the roll. Krause. Krause is here. I knew you were here. Levin. Levin here. Matano. Matano here. McCarvel. McCarvel here. Miles. Miles absent. Nelson. Nelson here. O'Loughlin. O'Loughlin here. Pan. Pan absent. Hurdle. Hurdle absent. Richmond. Richmond absent. Absent. Rip. Rip here. Ritt. Ritt here. Rusk. Rusk here. Saloff. Saloff here. Shower. Shower here. Schmidt. Schmidt here. Solberg. Solberg here. Stubbs. Stubbs here. Wegleitner. Oh, I'm sorry. Veldrin. Veldrin here. Wegleitner. Wegleitner absent. Willett. Willett here. Wiest. Wiest here. Zwiefel. Zwiefel's here. All right, well, absent. Baird. Here. Baird here. Bollig. Here. Bollig here. Chenoweth. Chenoweth. Here. Chenoweth here. Clausius. Here. Clausius here. De Felice. Here. De Felice here. Downing. Here. Downing here. Die. Die here. Erickson. Here. Erickson here. Farrell. Here. Farrell here. Gillis. Here. Gillis here. Hendrick. Here. Hendrick here. Keeper. Here. Keeper here. Kolar. Here. Kolar here. Corgan. Here. Corgan. And Zweifel's here. 32 supervisors are present, and we have a quorum. Um, supervisors Miles, Pan, Wegleitner, and Richmond had indicated that they would be absent this evening, and Supervisor Pirtle indicated that he'll be late this evening. We're going to be led um, tonight by Supervisor Krause in our prayer inspirational message. Supervisor Krause. Thank you, Madam Chair. I'm going to kind of cheat this a little bit and share an article that I wrote for our Fitchburg Star that will be, you guys are going to get the preview. Um, it's going to be coming out in a day or two. Um, so often I'm torn by issues within the community. I'm not sure why it is, but it seems that much of the bad stuff that happens in the Madison area involves my district in Fitchburg. Quick example, Saturday I went to the service for Aprina Paul, who lived in the district along with her family and was killed as a result of an online interaction. It's painfully obvious to me that we have significant problems within some of our communities. One of the big questions I have in my work on the Alternatives to Incarceration work group as Dane County considers the need for changes to our jail system is what needs to happen within our communities to help keep our kids out of the system. For the most part, I see the need to involve the members of those communities in finding the answers, which the work groups are doing in part with service providers that work within the community on related issues. Some answers are obvious, family sustaining jobs, more working class housing, better educational opportunities, etc. But I also see more subtle issues that deserve attention, many of which stem from the larger issues. However, I don't want to impose my second or third hand observations on the folks involved. I'd rather they tell us. I'd also like to have a better understanding of some of the contributing issues from other perspectives. For two full days, Monday and Tuesday, I attended the Madison Region Gang Summit hosted by the Madison Police Department. I had the opportunity to learn more about the signs and symptoms of gang activity in the area and how police respond to it, as well as what citizens can do to minimize problems within their communities. 
It's very apparent as I get news from various sources that residents across the city, and this is speaking of Fitchburg, are concerned about the variety of incidents that our police deal with fairly regularly, anything from domestic disturbances, alcohol or drug abuse and burglaries, all the way up to and including gunshots and murders, sadly. One of the reasons I'm interested in working with communities where problems often originate is because I'd like to help the members of those communities figure out how to reduce problems from within and support their efforts rather than using various city enforcements to try to compel behavior. Presumably, in addition to being more effective in the long run, it would also be less expensive for taxpayers in the city to work more closely with residents and less with police. And then I have a call to action to folks in Fitchburg to contact me if they would like to work with me on those issues. Thank you, Supervisor Krause. And uh, I'm assuming we will do the pledge once again. Please join us in the pledge. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Under special matters and announcements, are there any announcements this evening? Supervisor Salov. Thank you, Madam Chair. So one of the many wonderful things about the United States of America are free libraries, where people congregate and gather. And one of the wonderful things about Dane County is we belong to one collection, one collection that serves not just the county, but a larger area also. So if you borrow a book in Cambridge, and you live in McFarland, you can have a book in McFarland, or vice versa. Or if you have your books and you forgot to, to drop them off at your library, you can drop them off at the Madison Public Library on your lunch break. It's an incredibly well-defined system, and it depends on each library holding their own. And, of course, that's why we have standards, and you pass those standards every year. So I just want to invite you to the grand opening of the Cambridge Community Library. And it's not just the Cambridge, it's a real adjunct to the Dane County and the South Central Library Systems collection. So that's going to be on August 19th at 4 o'clock in the afternoon. The ribbon, cut, ribbon cutting will be at 4.30. There will be a refreshments, and I'd, I'd like to, I'd very much appreciate if you came out to Cambridge. And by the way, and I, I had invitations, but I ran out of them. If you'd like one, I can email it to you. Just let me know. Um, the building is a beautiful building and worth looking at. Thank you. Thank you, Supervisor Salaf. Supervisor Nelson. Uh, thank you, Madam Chair. Uh, Chair Corgan and I invite all of you to spend some time in Middleton during the last weekend of August. That would be August 28th through 30th, and the event is the Good Neighbor Fest. Uh, it's an annual community event that's been going on for quite a few years. Uh, activities for all ages, crafts, uh, music, food. Uh, there's a parade on Sunday. In fact, if you go online, you can print out this handy-dandy at-a-glance calendar so you know exactly uh, what takes place when. One event that really caught my attention uh, is the Les Paul Big Sound Experience Interactive Museum. So I'm, that's on Sunday. I'm definitely there. I also hear that uh, this year, the brats at the Kiwanis tent are going to be better than ever. So uh, Chair, and I, uh, Chair Corrigan and I hope to see you there. Thanks very much. Thanks, Supervisor Nelson. Supervisor Dye. 
Thank you, Madam Chair. Uh, tonight I'm introducing an ordinance amendment that would bring e-cigarettes under our smoke-free air laws. Uh, under the proposed ordinance amendment, they would be treated just the same as traditional cigarettes and that is circulating. Uh, would love to have you sponsor and please return it to me at the end of the night. Thank you. Thanks, Supervisor Dye. Supervisor Stubbs. Thank you, Madam Chair. Two quick announcements. The first announcement is just to thank each of my colleagues and you, Supervisor, our Chair Corrigan, for your leadership. On last week, our county board was recognized. I received the award on behalf of our racial disparities efforts that we've been doing in Dane County. The 100 black men of Madison, under the leadership of Dr. Floyd Rhodes, recognized our efforts, as well as our county executive, Reese and Ms. Tamara Grigsby, all received awards. So I just want to thank you for the work. I just want to let you know that the community is watching. They're watching and they do recognize that we are moving forward to close the gap on our racial disparities. So thank you all so much for what you've been doing to be supportive in that measure. My second announcement is you have a really colorful brochure at your desk and it's for an announcement. Uh, please join us for the opening ceremony for the Wisconsin Farm Technology Days in Dane County. The opening ceremony is going to be on Tuesday, August 25th at 9.30 a.m. at the Sauce Brother um, Farm. And it's really important that we go out and be supportive. The Farm Technology Days um, event is held throughout the state of Wisconsin. And this particular year, it's going to be held here in Dane County. Our representative from Dane County is Heidi Johnson, who is an employee of Dane County and UW Extension. She's the secretary, and she's been working so hard over one year on recognizing all of the uh, needs that we have in Dane County. So I want to thank Heidi for all of her work. She will be here next month to uh, give us a debriefing on how well this event went. So you have your personal invitation with direction and a brochure on there. And so I hope each of you would be able to join us for the opening. Thank you, Madam Chair. Thanks a lot, Supervisor Stubbs. Supervisor Kolar. Thank you, Chair Corrigan. I will be introducing two ordinance amendments this evening. One is to amend Chapter 10 of the Dane County Ordinances regarding state certification of the Farmland Preservation Zoning Ordinance. It is a number of changes that will bring us into uh, 2015, some of the language. And then Ordinance uh, Amendment 18 is amending Chapter 82 of the Dane County Ordinances, amending the Dane County Farmland Preservation Plan that affects uh, the town of Verona, and the town of Verona is aware of this. Thank you. Thank you, Supervisor Kolar. Supervisor O'Loughlin. Thank you, Madam Chair. Uh, it was nice to see that uh, Supervisor Stubbs uh, was able to talk a little bit about Dane County Farm Technology Days. I'd like to just, first of all, thank the person or persons or group that put this together. Um, this is a very special event that will uh, bring into our community somewhere between 65 and 80,000 people. And we will have <coughs> agricultural products from all over the United States and all over the world that will be here. And um, this little packet that you received is really highlighting what this is all about, and I think they've done a wonderful job. And if uh, you get hungry, uh, I'm going to be there for three days doing cooking. Um, it's going to be hot, but it'll be fun. And uh, I hope to see all of you out there on either, um, I think it's the 25th, 25th, 26th and 27th. 
Thank you, Madam Chair. Thank you, Supervisor O'Loughlin. Supervisor Schmidt. Thank you, Madam Chair. Um, uh, we talked about it a little bit earlier this evening in the Committee of the Whole, but I did want to make an announcement that um, the Transit Subcommittee of the Public Works and Transportation Committee, along with the MPO and Metro Transit, are um, going to be um, hosting a series of listening sessions in the greater Madison area to listen to our constituents and residents' ideas, concerns, and interests with respect to area-wide transit. And I just wanted to note that the first session is going to be Thursday, August 20th, and that will be for the McFarland, Stoughton, and Monona, the, the um, Southeast Madison Corridor. Uh, the next one will be Monday, August 24th, and that will be for Sun Prairie, East Madison Corridor. The next one will be uh, for the Fitchburg, Verona, Oregon, South Madison Corridor. That will be Monday, August 31st. I guess it's not quite the next one, but uh, it will be another one we're having. Um, on Wednesday, August 26th, we'll be listening to folks from the Springfield Corners, Cross Plains, and Middleton area. And then Tuesday, the 25th, we'll be looking, uh, listening to people from DeForest, Wanakee, Westport, and Windsor. Um, these all start at 6 p.m., and we will have posted on our uh, website the um, specific locations for each of these sessions, and we hope that members from the public will participate. Thank you. Thank you, Supervisor Schmidt. Supervisor Downing. Well, thank you, Madam Chair. The Upper Sugar River Watershed Association is once again uh, having its annual pig out and paddle this Saturday. And you can go down and eat with them, or uh, they will also uh, put you in a canoe uh, at no charge at 9, noon, and 3, and send you down the river. Uh, most people uh, stay dry during that trip. So uh, this Saturday, come on down. and. Um, until about one minute ago, one of the directors of that association was sitting in the front row over there. If he should return and they're having a raffle uh, again, you could probably buy tickets from that gentleman. Thank you. Thank you, Supervisor Downing. I don't see any other announcements. Um, I just want to mention August birthdays. We have um, four birthdays this month. On the 16th, Supervisor Pan. On the 17th, Supervisor Solberg. On the 18th, Supervisor Rusk. And on the 30th, Supervisor Clausius. So happy birthday to each of you. And now on to the main part of our agenda, to the approval of payments. Is there a motion on bills over $10,000 referred to the county board? Moved by Matano, seconded by Pirtle. Is there discussion? Supervisor McCarville? Um, just I wanted to add that Supervisor Kohler's birthday is also this month on the 7th. Thank you for um, pointing that out. We'll have to look into why that isn't in our records. <laughs> Happy birthday to you, too. On, on um, the bills over $10,000 referred to the county board, there's a motion. I don't see any discussion. All those in favor say aye. aye. Opposed say no. The ayes have it, and they are approved. Under D1, Claims, uh, under item D, claims recommended per denial. Claims D1 to D4 are recommended per denial. Are there any requests for separation on items D1 to D4? Uh, I don't see any. And is there a motion on the claims recommended per denial? Moved by Willett, seconded by Shower to deny claims D1 to D4. Is there discussion? All those in favor say aye. Opposed say no. The ayes have it, and the claims are denied. Under E, approval of county. Oops, I'm sorry, I'm going too fast. Yeah. 
Under E, approval of county board minutes, is there a motion? Moved by Chenoweth, seconded by Schmidt. Uh, um, are there any additions or corrections to the minutes? All those in favor say aye. aye. Opposed say no. The ayes have it and the minutes are approved. Under item F, the consent calendar, are there any requests for separation on items F1 to F8? The motion before us is to adopt items F1 to F8. Is there discussion? Supervisor Farrell. Oh, please record me as voting no on F8. Okay. And F8. It is. Okay. Further discussion or, or requests? Seeing none, all those in favor say aye. aye. Opposed say no. The ayes have it, and items F1 through F8 are approved. Yes. Reports on zoning petitions, item H. On items H1 through H9, what's before us is the committee recommendation. Are there any requests for separation on items H1 to H9? Is there discussion on items H1 to H9? All those in favor of the committee recommendation on items H1 to H9 say aye. aye. Opposed say no. The ayes have it and the recommendation of the committee is approved on the zoning petitions. I, ordinances, ordinance amendment seven, amending chapter 62 of the Dane County Code of Ordinances, um, establishing fees for brief focused assessment. The um, Public Protection and Judiciary Committee um, approved that and their, um, their approval is what is before us. Is there discussion? Supervisor Hendrick. Uh, thank you, Madam Chair. I move the personal and finance recommendation. Thank you, Supervisor Hendrick. Is there um, a second on that? Seconded by Baird. Um, is there discussion on, a, on Ordinance Amendment 7? Supervisor Shower. Thank you, Madam Chair. I'm just not, I apologize. I don't see it on the system. I was just wondering if I could review it. Or have somebody tell me what what personnel and finance that, did. That, yeah, a motion in personnel and finance. A motion was made by Hendrick and seconded by Gillis that the ordinance amendment be amended on line 24 to change the reference number. There was an incorrect reference number on there, so it was changed from 767.41.14 to 767.405.14, and that motion carried. Thank you, Madam Chair. You're welcome. There further discussion. All those in favor of Ordinance Amendment 7 as amended by Personnel and Finance say aye. aye. Opposed say no. The ayes have it and it is approved. Yeah, now, and now finance is before us. Um, on Ordinance Amendment 7, is there discussion? All those in favor say aye. aye. Opposed say no. The ayes have it, and Ordinance Amendment 7 is approved. Ordinance Amendment 11. 
amending Chapter 15 of the Dane County Code of Ordinances, creating the Criminal Justice Council. What is before us is the action of the Public Protection and Judiciary Committee. Supervisor Baird. I'd like to move the uh, uh, amendment approved by Executive Committee, please. Moved by Baird, seconded by Hendricks. Hendrick, I'm not, sorry, I have to put an S on the end of that. Um, the motion, the amendment that was made by um, in executive was to replace the word chief with presiding to correct a reference to make it correct. Is there discussion on the amendment by the executive committee? All those in favor say aye. aye. Opposed say no. The ayes have it and the amendment is approved. Um, Ordinance Amendment 11 as amended by executive committee. Is there discussion? All those in favor say aye. Opposed say no. The ayes have it, and Ordinance Amendment <coughs> 11 is approved. Under K, resolutions, Resolution 18, Award of Design Contract for the Design of County Highway PB over a branch of the Sugar River and County Highway N over the Yahara River. What's before us is the, um, the, motion, the action of the Public Works and Transportation Committee. Supervisor Baird. I'd like to move sub one as approved by personnel and finance. Moved by Baird, seconded by Pirtle. Is there discussion on the um, amendment uh, on sub one to resolution <coughs> 18? Seeing none, all those in favor say aye. Opposed say no. The ayes have it. And the sub one is approved. Resolution 18 as amended by sub one is before us. Is there discussion? All those in favor say aye. Opposed say no. The ayes have it. And resolution 18 is approved. Items M, items requiring a two-thirds majority for passage. Um, I'd like to have re record these as having passed unanimously, but are there any requests for separation? I have one request um, because we have this, um, someone wishing to speak on item M1, so I will separate that. Are there any other requests for separation? Supervisor Baird. I'd separate M6 because there's a sub one that needs to be moved. Okay. Thank you. And Supervisor Dye. M4, please. So we will separate M1, M6, M4, and M6. So on items M2, and three and five and seven to 11. So items M2, M3, M5 and items M7 to 11. I'd like to, requ I'd like to have these recorded as having passed unanimously. Is there any objection to, having, to recording those items as having passed unanimously? Seeing no objection, they, are record they will be recorded as having passed unanimously. On item M1, Resolution 116, authorizing an agreement to accept Homeland Security and Wisconsin Department of Military Affairs grant funding alert research project, 2014 project. We have one person wishing to speak in opposition, Sue Pastor. If you want to come up and you can speak here. Hello and thank you. Um, there's an eerie coincidence tonight between the cover story and the isthmus on warrior cops 
and this resolution. I'm here to ask you to vote no and to really begin a trend of saying no to the increasing militarization and violence in our community. We're already way too far down that path. Um, as I read the article, um, it was a tough read. I don't, I don't know if you've read it. it. It turned my stomach. When I think about the ways that increasing violence, escalating violence, makes us more unsafe, it makes me really queasy. Um, I'm not sure how many people here would have thought that the nuclear arms race was a good idea. You know, the idea that because someone has a gun, someone else has to have more. And it really troubles me when I see that used as an excuse of why we would want to investigate more hardware or why we would want more higher level hardware. It doesn't make us safer. It puts us more at risk. And it puts those of us who are already most vulnerable even more at risk. Um, so I hope that you will say no to this. And even if it's free money, uh, don't bring us this. Bring us investment instead in peace. Bring us investment in addressing guns as a public health issue and getting guns off the street, not putting more guns on the street, no matter who they belong to. Every vote that you take, I'm thinking of the vote against the um, cannabis eradication funds where you talked about how that was an expression of your values. Every vote that you take is an, is an expression of your values. Tonight, it's just me, but eventually there will be a groundswell of people saying, oh, and all the action was at a city committee tonight. Um, there will be a groundswell of people saying, no more to this, and bring us peace. Don't bring us more militarization, equipment, hardware, and don't make us more unsafe. Thank you. Thank you. Is there discussion on Resolution 116? <laughs> Supervisor Schauer. Um, question for Chief Deputy Hook, Madam Chair. Thank you for your time tonight, sir. Um, can you tell us what this $1,500 would be used for or what it would use, be used to offset and whether or not we'd be still um, – or what the sheriff's opinion on, on the acceptance of this grant is. So you could just elucidate uh, for the whole board. Uh, the $1,500 is to uh, send one person to uh, a conference, a vendor demonstration, training on uh, tools that are available for the alert teams. In Indian County, we have two alert teams. Uh, one is the explosive ordinance device team that uh, – goes around to a 21 region count, 21 county region uh, upon demand and diffuses anything that is a suspicious nature or um, homemade bombs or whatever the type of explosive material it is. The other alert team that we do have is the TRT team uh, or uh, more commonly referred to as a SWAT team. That's just not the name of ours. Uh, but the, uh, the conference also has the uh, training and equipment that is most uh, prevalent or the new training and equipment that's out there today that uh, is there for both demonstration and training. And the alert teams, there are six of them in the state of Wisconsin, and the alert team, uh, sort of, I guess for better, lack of a better term, I call it the governing body, 
uh, gets together and they assign out different projects to different teams. And our fortune or misfortune, depending on how you look at it, I guess, since I'm standing up here talking about it, was to get this particular project assigned to us this year uh, to send somebody out and to do research and, and evaluate the training that's at this conference. Um, and your other question was the sheriff's opinion. Uh, if the sheriff wasn't in support of this, we wouldn't submit it. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you, Madam Chair. Um, is it now an appropriate time to continue with comment? You can or? make your comment now. Yeah, I, I think this funding um, is very important. I think that um, anything that we can do to help um, diffuse um, of explosive devices um, that are brought by you know people into our community, anything that can help train our law enforcement officers in how to deal with difficult, um, very dangerous situations safely is all very important. And if the federal government is going to give us $1,500 to send a person for that training, I, I see no reason why we wouldn't want to accept that. It keeps our officers safer, and, it, that, and therefore it keeps our community safer. So please vote for this. Thank you. Thank you, Madam Chair. Thank you, Supervisor Schauer. Supervisor Hendrick. Thank you, Madam Chair. Um, I, I wanted to briefly explain my vote in opposition to this resolution. I uh, want to say first, though, that I very much support the mission of our sheriff's office to keep us safe, and we also want to keep them safe. Uh, we're fortunate to have a sheriff that shares our values, and uh, given his discretion, uh, will make the right decisions. I appreciate uh, Chief Deputy Hook coming here to answer our questions, and I also appreciate the sheriff answering my questions uh, about this program. Uh, I really have nothing to say about the bomb squad uh, portion of the alert program. I think, the, I think that team speaks for itself. My concern is with the SWAT team or the tactical team and the as our speaker from the public mentioned, the possible militarization, both military equipment and military tactics uh, being used by civilian law enforcement. So even though I do trust the sheriff's judgment and um, support the mission of our sheriff's department, I think it's our responsibility to provide some civilian oversight for this military equipment. For one thing, the, uh, just the safety of our citizens that, that might be harmed by uh, things that would be uh, added to the arsenal of the Sheriff's Department. Also for the civil liberties implications of some of the things that might uh, result from this, uh, this event, this visit, this conference. Uh, both the Libertarian Cato Institute and the American Civil Liberties Union have criticized the use of military tactics and military equipment by civilian law enforcement. And I think we need to be fully aware of what we're voting for and the, the path we're going down by sending one person to this conference. I think America was sensitized to the use of military vehicles and military equipment against civilians in uh, Ferguson, Missouri. And certainly, again, we're fortunate that we don't have the problems that Ferguson has, but we do have 
problems, and they can be made worse by military equipment. I have an example here uh, from Minneapolis, which we think of as a, another very liberal city like ourselves, where they paid a $1 million settlement for a botched drug raid that occurred in 2010, uh, where a, a tactical team or a SWAT team using a flashbang grenade uh, invaded an apartment in South Minneapolis. And in case you can't think, you would think that it wouldn't happen in Wisconsin, um, the Cato Institute, who I normally wouldn't agree with on anything, um, the Cato Institute on their website has a, an interactive map of botched police raids in which they show in May of 2006 uh, where a team entered an apartment in Dodgeville, broke a window, threw in a grenade, uh, in that case, they were looking for drugs, but uh, they were in the wrong apartment. So uh, concerning our civil liberties, concerning the safety of our citizens, and also concerning the financial liability, I think it's our responsibility to have civilian oversight over these type of military training and military equipment. It was suggested to me that this training is exactly what we do need that if we have more SWAT training, then we won't have our officers killing unarmed civilians. But apparently that's not the case because, uh, as you know, and I saw some of you uh, there on Williamson Street, uh, Officer Matt Kenny of the Madison Police Department has just completed his SWAT training uh, before the date of March 6th uh, when he shot and killed an unarmed young man in my district. So I, I don't think that this trip is going to produce training that's going to make us safer. It's essentially, and uh, I don't want to make it sound, uh, I don't want to be flippant about it, but this is, this is a window shopping trip for possible acquisition of military hardware. Uh, I believe armored vehicles are available through this program. Uh, there might be... A, if you look on your desk, you might have a handout of some of the types of vehicles that are available. Again, thank you to our sheriff and his good judgment that he has turned down the idea of getting on an MRAP through this program. If you know what an MRAP is, you're ahead of me, uh, but uh, I found out that that is a mine-resistant ambush-protected vehicle, uh, such as were used in the Iraq War, and I don't believe we need one in Dane County, and I agree with the sheriff there. I certainly would not want our officers to be going into situations where they're outgunned by armed criminals, and I understand the need for a certain number of automatic weapons, for body armor, for helmets, for armored vehicles, all of which we have. We already have those things. But at a certain point, when these vehicles and those weapons and that body armor is used to serve search warrants, uh, no-knock warrants are, are uh, highlighted in this article about the Madison SWAT team. Uh, and coincidentally, the drug raid that is highlighted in this article is also in my district. And no one was harmed, thank goodness. Uh, I think that we need to take responsibility and we need to provide oversight. 
my perception is that most people on this county board, at least up until a few days ago, had no idea what this training was, had no idea what this equipment was. And I think before you vote on this, you should know what our commitment is to military equipment in the Sheriff's Department. In my view, this should probably be re-referred. Um, I, I simply voted against it at Personal and Finance Committee. I know we always say do the committee work in the committees, but I don't think that's the committee where we should have that discussion. I think the PP&J committee is where it should be re-referred to. Uh, but if it's not, I'll be voting no. Um, I just want to say in conclusion, the article in the paper, which is questioning some things about the Madison Police Department, points out that there were 88 call-ups for the Madison SWAT team, which is in a five-year period, that's about 18 per year. Uh, my understanding is that our SWAT team, our tactical team, is called up about 25 times per year. So if this is a concern in Madison, it's even a bigger concern for the Sheriff's Department. And I just want to close by quoting our uh, former Chief of Police, David Cooper, uh, someone who's known for his good judgment and the relationship between the community and the police. Um, he, he's criticizing the use of military equipment, and he says the attitude is we've got these new toys and we're going to play with them. Thank you. Thank you, Supervisor Hendrick. Supervisor Rusk. Thank you, Madam Chair. I'd like to have the Chief Deputy come back up again, please. Um, Jeff, when we talked about this earlier in the week, one of the key things that we talked about that this training and this equipment was uh, used, and we've had some specific incidents where it's been used in an active shooter situation where we've had, um, I, generally it's somebody uh, with pretty serious mental health issues has gone ballistic and we've used this equipment and the training of our uh, uh, team not only in Dane County but in other counties and we actually when they go to other counties we do charge the other counties so could you discuss a little bit some of the situations that we've had in recent years um, pick one or two or whatever and and talk about the need for the training for those officers and the need for the equipment to um, hopefully de-escalate the situation so that we don't have uh, individuals with serious mental illnesses killed or, you know, a Columbine type situation. Sure. Um, probably the, the uh the case that is that is most uh, I don't know effective for me I guess um, in the in the sense that some of the equipment that we have prevented me attending a uh, deputy funeral uh, occurred when we sent the team to Richland County. There was a gentleman who was uh, held up on his property in Richland County and had been firing at people driving by on the highway and firing on the police when they arrived to try and resolve that situation. And our team responded up there along with the Bearcat and 
Um, the Bearcat is, is an armored vehicle, and it is primarily a rescue vehicle that we have. Um, it's always in our sub-basement. If you ever want to see it, come on over, and we'll certainly show it to you. Um, but it is, it is designed to be a rescue vehicle, and we uh, move that up the driveway of this uh, farm, farmette, to try and to get an eye on where this individual was. And if you can picture the deputy sitting in the passenger seat of the vehicle and suddenly seeing a hole right here, right in front of his face, that's what took place that day when uh, they pulled up the driveway was the bullet hit the windshield directly in front of his face. And he would have been dead had it not been for the armored uh, qualities of that windshield and that vehicle. Um, like Supervisor Rusk uh, mentioned, you know, yeah, there's concern, why, why are we out of county? Well, we, we do accept this equipment through grant funding through the federal government uh, for the protection of our citizens. And part of that is that when we are alert team, we do agree to respond to those other counties if they have need for that equipment or that, that training. Um, and like you said, we do bill them when we go to that that other county. So, you know, they, they did reimburse us for that. Um, and, you know, by the fact that uh, we were able to have the Bearcat there and we didn't have any of our personnel in close to that uh, residence, we were able to stop him from firing on the highway, stop him from firing on other law enforcement officers. And eventually he uh, came out and, and was taken to jail and, and that resolved that situation. The other case took place about a year and a half ago uh, outside of Mount Horb when a, a gentleman um, was upset with his soon-to-be ex-wife, and he called the school and told the school that he was coming to get his children, and he was taking his children wherever, but he was going to take them uh, by any means necessary. And we were fortunate enough to get to his farm at it was out in um, Clevenville before he left his residence. And so we were able to put the Bearcat and the team, we put the team around the property and uh, we put the Bearcat in the driveway and he was, he was quite determined uh, and he got in his vehicle and he pulled up sort of face to face with the Bearcat and the, the equipment gave us the ability not to have to engage him in any violence. You know, we had our people protected behind the armor of that Bearcat, and he was not leaving the driveway, to be very frank with you about it. You know, our Bearcat would certainly stop that pickup truck um, just, by, just by the presence of it being there, and he wasn't going to drive around it. Um, but, you know, he sort of sat there and looked at us, and we looked at him, and eventually we were able to talk to him on cell phone and convince him that his best option was, you know, stop this and, and come with us. Um, so the, the only other comment I would make about the equipment and the, and the conferences is that, yeah, there are, I'm sure they'll have armored vehicles there. I mean, that, I'm sure they're there. But on the flip side, they will also have the latest technology and the trends of, of the law enforcement community in response to the American public's sentiment of the day. And, you know, the, the people that provide this type of equipment are in business to make money, and they look around the country and they go, oh, you know, the American public is talking about less violence and, and more types of technology and equipment that will 
prevent violence. And I don't know how many of you saw the article in the paper a week, week and a half ago about a new technology that will uh, fire sort of a, a magnetized little ball that has a GPS unit inside to try and stop or curb police pursuits. Um, so, you know, vendors out there are coming up with all types of equipment to limit the violence, the force, the risk to the public. And that type of equipment is also there at that conference. But like I said, I'm not going to try and fool you and say there's none of the high-level you know, equipment there. It is. But on the flip side, there is the equipment that is trying to move in the other direction. Can I ask another question, Madam Chair? Okay. Um, thank you. And my, my second question is, um, you'll recall um, within a couple of days after the first Ferguson incident, um, four county supervisors asked for a meeting with you and Sheriff Mahoney. Uh, Supervisor Corrigan was there. I was there. Supervisor Dye was there. And Supervisor Pirtle was there. And one of the things that you discussed um, very eloquently was the philosophy of the Sheriff's Department that had been ingrained over many, many years, and you basically used the term that Sheriff Mahoney was an LTE. So we were concerned that we thought we were okay with Sheriff Mahoney, but what happened if we had a different sheriff? And could you talk a little bit about that philosophy with your many, many years in the right. Sheriff's Department and maybe tie that to the Capitol protests that we had? That would, okay, Absolutely. thank you, sir. Um, now, Supervisor Rusk would point out, you know, my LTE comment is usually a sort of a flippant remark, but, um, but, it, but it is true, actually. You know, I'm on my fourth sheriff, um, and, and who knows if I'll see a fifth before the end of my career. I, you know, we work for elected officials. You all are elected officials, and we don't know when you will come and go. You all are sort of LTEs, too. But the, but the county employees that are here long term usually survive many elected officials. And now Sheriff Mahoney came from inside the organization. He's been with us for many, many years. But that is not the normal case for us. We usually have a sheriff that, well, for many years we have him appointed and then reelected. Um, but the, but the, the values that exist inside of the sheriff's office do not change dramatically with a new sheriff. We don't suddenly change our, oh, well, we have, a, we have a liberal or conservative sheriff, and now we're going to full charge ahead. You know, we're taking everything by force because we happen to have a Republican sheriff. That, that doesn't change. Our values don't change, and our philosophies don't change. We, we have many, many discussions about um, types of events that occur and levels of force that need or would be appropriate for that. If we, have, if we have a high-risk uh, entry that has to be made by the TRT, we have long discussions about, is this appropriate to throw this type of force at that, and what are the risks? And more often than not, we choose not to do that than we do. And all of those discussions do not in, involve the sheriff sitting going, okay, here's my philosophy, here's what you're going to do. Those are organizational discussions and those values permeate the entire organization. 
And I know that, that many of you talk about, well, Sheriff Mahoney's a good sheriff, and when he's in office, we can do this. And quite frankly, that's a little irritating for me because we have been here for a long time, and we hold some very strong values ourselves. We don't suddenly assume the values of our sheriff and go, all right, now we're good people. And, you know, last time when we had a sheriff, we weren't good people. So um, I, I would ask you to sort of reconsider that, that, that mantra because we have 550 people in the sheriff's office, and we have some pretty strong values all throughout the sheriff's office. Um, and there was a second part you wanted me to tie it with. But um, connected to the Capitol Oh, yeah, the Capitol protest. Um, you know, there were many agencies that were involved in the, in the Capitol protests, and, uh, you know, mainly the, the bigger ones, the UWPD, the Capitol Police Department, the Madison Police Department, and us. And we had long discussions about what we were going to do at the protest. You know, we, we certainly had an indication that there was going to be upwards of 100,000 people, which certainly bore itself out. And we made a conscious decision that we were not going to be in the hard uniforms that you saw uh, with the Ferguson, you know, with the vests and the shields and all of that. Now, I'll tell you that the equipment was available. It was in the basement of the city county building. If things went wrong, we would respond and, and get the appropriate equipment. But we made a conscious decision that we were going to be in our regular uniforms because we wanted to be out walking amongst the people and talking to the people, understanding what was going on, and that our best that our best um, ability to have any sense of the crowd sentiment and, and where it was going and how we could help sort of direct the, the flow and the energy of that crowd was to be with them in our regular uniforms and not in the sort of the stand the line uh, hard uniforms that you see with our set or our TRT um, personnel. And again, that was a long discussion between the hierarchy of the Madison Police Department and the Dane County Sheriff's Office and the Capitol PD. If, if uh, Charles wouldn't have left, he could come up and talk about that also. But, um, you know, we had long discussions about it, and it was a very conscious decision that this is our philosophy here, and this is how we choose to um, deal with it. Now, that was on the heels of some things that had taken place around the country where there had been some sort of I don't know what you want to call them, outsiders that had come in to places like Seattle and other cities that had made big trouble, you know, ruining businesses, uh, stirring up violence. And we knew that that was a possibility here, but we still chose to be in our soft uniforms and engage people rather than stand lines. So it's certainly a longstanding um, tradition and value of ours to, to respond like that. Thank you, Jeff. Supervisor De Felice. Thank you, Madam Chair. I, too, had the same concerns, and I called Deputy Chief Hook uh, earlier this week about just what is happening uh, in the way of uh, militarizing our law enforcement uh, department. And I think it's important. I learned some things. I think it's important to distinguish, first of all, the article that was in Isthmus today was largely, if not completely, about the Madison Police Force and its use of the SWAT team and whatnot. Uh, there was a reference to the Sheriff's Department, but uh, it was just one paragraph. Um, so, you know, there are concerns here throughout the community, but I think what's important to remember is there's a distinction to make, at least on this floor, that the county sheriff, as uh, Supervisor Hendrick uh, 
mentioned, he turned down an MRAPS. You know, that's one of the big heavy-duty vehicles that, uh, in fact, Homeland Security has recalled from Ferguson because they weren't supposed to have those in the first place. But our sheriff turned those down. So I think that's important uh, to know that. But we do have a vehicle, as uh, Deputy Chief mentioned, that is used more in a protective sense rather than an attack sense. So what we're doing is providing our officers with protection because I don't think a person in this room could dispute the fact that there is a definite need for protection in this world in the United States, and it's irresponsible lack of gun laws. I mean, we have high-powered automatic weapons. There was a, an Israeli uh, desert machine gun confiscated from uh, a residence in my district on Femrite Drive. So, I mean, they're everywhere. And I think for our officers to uh, be given the adequate training and, and protection they need is, is just a basic rule that we should uh, observe. But, uh, you know, as we go into the militarization of police, I was concerned also with what were called the suspicious activity reports, SARs. And these are reports that local police departments are supposed to write down people, you know, acting suspiciously, which is a really vague and undefined uh, activity. And it, it's caused some problems in the past. I mean, it's defined as people standing in one spot too long. Or it's defined as people taking pictures, suspicious pictures, let's say of utilities or transportation uh, locations. Well, you know, at Amtrak, they found a guy who was taking pictures of the Amtrak train. So they wrote up an SAR on him, a suspicious activity report. Well, it turns out Amtrak was having a photo contest. So, you know, it's really hard to distinguish sometimes you know, what your law enforcement purpose is. So, again, it comes down to attitude, and I think our, our sheriff has a good attitude about that. And, I, of course, I, I agree with the deputy chief that it's an institutional approach that we take to our law enforcement. We are concerned about the militarization of police, and we do examine these homeland security uh, grants and cost shares closely, as we are tonight. Uh, I think that... Uh, in the case of the SARs, I asked uh, Deputy Chief Hook how many we've filled out of those. And to his recollection, we never have, which is a good sign. Because we, again, are, as he indicated, the focal point for 21 counties. And we did go up to La Crosse and defuse some old dynamite. We did go to Richland Center where a guy was shooting at people. And that was an appropriate response. It's also good to know that there are two units within uh, our, our sheriff's department that kind of takes a tactical response. One is the explosive ordnance team, the EOT. The other is the terrorist response team. And I would, uh, I would say from the reassurances I got from Deputy Chief Hook that a lot of the money and grants that we seek are for the explosive ordnance team. It's not for the terrorism uh, response team. So, uh, and the final thing I learned about these teams that we have that gets Homeland Security funding is that they don't have full-time people devoted to this. They don't have full-time personnel devoted to this. So there's not 
a buildup within our sheriff's department of some kind of quasi-military, uh, macho-heavy, uh, mechanized-looking armor or uh, vehicles that we're building up. That's absent from our department. So for those reasons, I'm going to vote to support this. It's a, it's a conference. Yeah, there's probably going to be you know, a lot of weapons out there, but Deputy Chief Hook also brought to my attention the fact that you know, a lot of these weapons purveyors, a lot of these armor purveyors and whatnot, they've grown sensitive to the fact that communities are, are concerned about militarization. So they are changing their approach uh, to, in fact, creating safer weapons, if you want to call it a weapon. In one case, there is this uh, device that shoots a magnet at a car, and it's, it's GPS-centered. Uh, so that you don't have these hot pursuits anymore. You just let the car go, and you dial it up on your app, and you know where the guy is. And you just go get him. So a lot of this stuff is changing. I think in the face of the very valid criticism we've had in the past, and that we're seeing presently in some communities. But I don't think that, that, that criticism, at least with our sheriff's department, here in Dane County concerning our county board uh, is valid. Thank you. Thank you, Supervisor De Felice. Supervisor Pirtle. Deputy Hook, I'm going to have a couple quick questions for you. Um, you know, I, I think this is going to be part of an ongoing conversation. We've had a number of, of grants that came through this last year that we've debated. I'm pretty sure this won't be the last time that we have this conversation, and I think that's probably a good thing. You know, my sense is, is that we all want law enforcement that can respond to a situation like we saw in Columbine, to have folks that could diffuse the kind of explosive devices that we saw at the Boston Marathon. And many of us are concerned about the militarization of law enforcement, about the use of lethal force against unarmed uh, civilians, and how we balance that and how that works. And uh, is a quick note, I did ride along with the Madison Police Department about two years ago, and it was interesting, I ended up doing a split shift. So uh, the first part of the ride along was with a younger gentleman, and he was an Iraq War veteran. And, you know, he had bought a lot of his own equipment. He wore the vest because he, he had back problems. He didn't like wearing the belt. And we did, super nice guy, did all the typical things, checked on a woman who wasn't responding at her home, made sure that she was okay, wrote a traffic ticket. But he had a very strong demeanor, and he walked me through the equipment that he had and the medical kits and the things that he kept. And he brought that battlefield experience with him. And then I switched, and I went with another officer who was a little older, built a little more like me. Maybe we're kind of the donut shop cop. I loved him. He's a great guy. And we wrote some tickets, and we went and we checked on a little grease fire in a local diner, and we checked on some homeless folks in the you know in a local park, make sure they were okay. And I went home and I talked to Bethany that night, and I said, you know, the second cop is the guy I totally want walking my neighborhood, keeping me safe, checking in on things, making sure they're going okay. But if there was a shooter on campus, I need the first guy. And the question is, you know, how does that work? How do we balance those? So you've talked a little bit about the alert teams. We have the TRT. We have the, the EOT, the bomb squad. Yeah, sure. Okay. Got my acronym wrong there. And uh, maybe I don't know as much about this as I should, but we have about 300 deputies or so. Is that about right? Uh, 450. 450. Okay. So I'm not even close on that number. How many folks are on the alert teams? There is uh, eight on the explosive ordnance team, and there is 20 on the tactical response team. And how does that work? Is that an assigned duty that rotates, or is that like a permanent assignment? It's a, it's a, 
assignment by selection, they have to apply and, and go through a process and they get, they get selected, um, which I'll just throw in the last part of that selection is, is that we go back to their original site eval that we do when we hire everybody, uh, look at that, and uh, depending on you know, what events have occurred during their career or if there's any concern, we would send them for another psych before we put them on the team. Um, but uh, they, they are assigned to those teams and for a number of days per year spread out throughout the year, they go and they train with the team. But other than that, they are in other positions all throughout the sheriff's office. They could be on patrol, they could be in the jail, they could be in civil process, they could be a bailiff. It, we have them spread out all over the agency. And when those teams get activated for some need, they come from those other areas of the department and they, they, they serve whatever, you know, that, that call out is and then they go back. Okay, so it's like an on-call function. Exactly. So I think one of the things, and, and this is a question that I sort of have. So in my head when we voted on some of the previous equipment and when we think about this training, we're talking about 28 sort of highly trained folks. And that to me is sort of this small subset of, of, of people who can deal with this very particular high-level situation. Yes. I think there's also that fear, and you sort of referenced as you talked about, we were in plain clothes during the protest, and we made a conscious decision that, but well, we also had the equipment back uh, in the city-county building if we needed to sort of escalate that. Sure. And that's sort of the image we have of Ferguson, that's kind of what I think of when I think, okay, is this 28 folks that if there's a shooter on campus, we could deploy people and they could deal with that situation, or is this, we have a whole ton of this equipment, and if we needed to, we could put 450 people on the ground in militarized vehicles and with heavy weapons. Like, how does that really play out? We have, we, we have 20 people. The eight people that are on the explosive ordnance team, they're not built for going into a tactical event. Okay. They, they have those 150-pound suits that they wear that they can hardly walk in to protect them from an explosion. The they're not going into anything tactical. Okay. So they're highly trained so that thing doesn't blow up. Right. But other than that, you know, they're not, they're not aggressive towards somebody trying to take them into custody or something. So we have, we have a team of 20 that is trained for those uh, high tactic events. Mm -hmm. Well, I guess my concern is this, and I, I don't know that this is a decision point per se on the grant, mm -hmm. but I guess I'm just laying out personally, I feel a little different about how we equip and provide for those 20 officers than how we equip and provide for the other 420, 430 yeah. that are in the field on a daily basis. Yep. And the second is a much greater concern for me than the first. Yes. And how different is that scenario? Yeah, it's, it's much, much, much different. Um, and the equipment that we provide for the tactical response team, you know, they have, we all have normal vests, mm -hmm. but they also have the normal vest plus a sort of the armor plated vest that goes outside of their uniform and the protective helmet and, and um, some of the weapons are the higher powered weapons, uh, but that's a very limited group of people and that stuff is not available to the rest of the deputies in the organization. Okay, thank you. Thank you, Jeff. Supervisor Baird. Supervisor Dye. Thank you, Madam Chair. Um, I was going to share with the fellow supervisors part of what Supervisor Rusk already talked about, which was our meeting with um, Sheriff Mahoney and Chief Deputy Huck shortly after the events transpired in Ferguson uh, just over a year ago. Um, and 
some of us, including myself, were concerned about what equipment we had. At the time, I was had only been on the board for about two years, so I had not been here for many of the approvals of equipment, um, and I wanted to know what equipment did we have and what policies did we have in place. And I have a lot of respect for the men and women at our Sheriff's Department who work really hard every day to make sure that we are safe, and I have an immense amount of respect uh, for Sheriff Mahoney and his, the values that, and leadership that he brings to the Sheriff's Department. But the result of that conversation was essentially they get to decide after we purchase the equipment what the policy is going to be and how it's going to be deployed. And the only opportunity that the people sitting on this floor have to make sure that the values of our community in terms of demilitarization of police, making sure that we continue to have the type of equipment we need to keep people safe, but not the type of equipment that makes people feel unsafe in their own community, uh, happens when we vote on things like this tonight. That's the only chance we have because the sheriff was very clear that from a division of government standpoint, from a constitutional officer standpoint, and I think you know he's not here so I don't want to speak for him, but I think from his own personal belief, those are decisions that should be within the realm of the sheriff's department. Uh, and we have to live within that division of government. So this is our opportunity. After that conversation, I have thought a lot of when these types of resolutions come before us about what does this mean for the future. I agree with Chief Deputy Hook that culture of an organization doesn't change overnight. When you have 450 employees, it takes a while to steer that ship anywhere if you want to make a change. Uh, but that doesn't mean that if in the next election cycle, Sheriff Mahoney decided not to run and David Clark moved to Dane County and was elected here, that things would not change. We have to think about the future and whether or not the decisions that we're making today are right not only for us, uh, but also for the people who will be in Dane County 10 years from now while equipment is still in use. Um, we've heard a lot about what types of uh, response do we need in an active shooter situation, and Supervisor Russ mentioned Columbine, which happened when I was in high school, so I remember all too well the shooting uh, drills that we started doing at my high school. And I have to wonder, standing here very much no longer in high school, if we had put the type of energy into preventing those types of situations from happening in the United States, that we have into figuring out ways to respond to them, what our nation and our community would look like today. Uh, all of that being said, I have committed to making decisions about things like this on a case-by-case -case basis. I am going to take Chief Deputy Hook uh, and Sheriff Mahoney at their word that in addition to equipment that could be used in ways that I myself and many of the people in our community would find inappropriate will be at this conference. There are also going to be opportunities to look at the other side of things, the ingenuity that we should be focusing on, which is how do we make our communities safer and better for everyone instead of militarizing them. And I'm going to hope and give my very strong suggestion that that be what the Sheriff's Department focuses on, uh, as I am going to support this grant tonight. But if you come back here having found a really great MRAD, 
I'm not going to be voting for that. And there are a lot of things short of an MRAD I'm not going to vote for either. Uh, and you will need our approval in order to come back. So I really value the time that members of the public have taken both tonight and on other occasions to come and talk to us about this. It is an important issue. Um, and I value the time that Chief Deputy Hook has taken both in the past and tonight to talk with us about this. Um, I think tonight and every other time that these come before us, our fellow, my fellow supervisors really need to think carefully uh, because the decisions that we make are going to impact Dane County for years to come and these funding decisions are our only opportunity to have a say. Thank you. Thank you, Supervisor Dye. Supervisor Krause. Thank you, Madam Chair. Um, in my opening inspiration, I talked about having just gone to the Madison Region Gang Summit. Um, I was reassured there because I went in not having any idea if they were going to be training. This was um, police officers, it was parole and parole people, and it was social workers. I didn't know if they were going to be training people how to identify and jump on and be hardcore with potential gang members and how, how to deal with them from a top-down power thing. I was very much reassured that it was focused on getting to know people, socializing with them. I've seen it in the community a lot. I know when there's an active shooter situation, it's going to be somewhat different. Um, but I've also, I've, I've, I've had the Bearcat um, in my district. Um, I've gone and far enough behind the scenes to be safe, have kind of attended those events. And I've kind of seen that they are as gentle as it's reasonable to be. Um, I've teased in the past, I've said, well, you know, if it were painted like flower power, for something, it would be so much more friendly to the community. I don't know if there's a reasonable compromise that can make the whole response team feel less intimidating. Um, in jest, that was a suggestion that I've made in past, but there might be a little bit of possible um, serious suggestion to consider there. Um, I'm not certain how I'm going to vote yet. I liked a lot of what Jenny said. I think she really reinforced some of the things that I said in my opening about being aware of community and working with community. Um, I think that's essential. I think overall, um, both Madison and our Dane County people are very much in tune to what's happening in community. Um, I would also put my hope and trust assuming that this is going to pass, that what they look at at that conference is ways to be gentle in community, even when you need to do something that's difficult. Thank you. Thank you, Supervisor Krause. Supervisor Kolar. Thank you, Chair Corrigan. <clears throat> um, I think most of you know, but I'll say it anyway. Uh, I am a military veteran. I was in the United States Navy for 28 years. so. I do have some bit of a military background, and I'm proud to be um, bookended by two veterans here and a veteran in the back. 
And I believe every one of these veterans will tell you one of the most important things we do in the military is training. This wonderful visual aid here, I've worked with every one of the people represented by the um, equipment and aircraft carriers and uh, fast-flying airplanes and airplanes that don't fly really fast, but they land on the backs of small ships. And I've worked with the people who are carrying the weapons that you see in this person. Everything that's represented by this picture represents countless hours of training. When people ask, what did I do in the military? Most often I say education and training. That was the um, most amount of years that I spent when I was in the military was in training. Anytime there was an accident or a tragedy where literally people were killed or um, people were harmed or something didn't go right or multi-million dollar aircraft or were lost, the first question is, what was their training? What happened? Where did it fall apart? Here in Dane County, we are talking about a piece of equipment that we have that is a valuable tool, has, as has been pointed out this evening, a tool that has literally saved lives. And what is most encouraging for me tonight is that I have heard that we are continuing to train because, as was pointed out, there are changes in, again, any, any line of work and including in law enforcement. If we are going to have a gun, if we are going to have a vehicle that is protective, that training must be constant. It must occur. This training dollars that is being requested tonight for us to approve is money well spent. We have the equipment. We need to ensure the people using it will be using it correctly. And again, has been pointed out by the Deputy Chief Sheriff tonight that it is a part of a discussion to make sure it, if it is used, it has been well thought out, and when it is used, we have people who are adequately trained to use it. Thank you, Chair Cord. Thank you, Supervisor Kolar. Supervisor Matano. Thank you, Madam Chair. Um, I share Supervisor Hendricks' concerns about the militarization of the police. Uh, it is a nationwide issue. Uh, we've seen all too many examples of uh, civilians, even those who are not harmed, looking down the barrel of a gun uh, as if they were um, combat, enemy combatants being uh, attacked by our own, um, our own employees, essentially. Um, I share everyone's admiration for Sheriff Mahoney and, and Chief Deputy Hook. Um, a classic quote that came out of the Capitol protests was Sheriff Mahoney's comment about refusing to become a palace guard for the um, for the governor, and he he kept he made good on that. I had friendly conversations with deputy sheriffs while I was making my rounds at the Capitol. Uh, one of the happy outcomes of the Capitol protests was the fact that in this room today is is Charles Tubbs and that he's now a county employee. And how did he get to be a county employee? Simply uh, speaking, we, we've speculated on whether political tides can turn, and they, and they can and do. Um, as part of those capital um, changing political tides, uh, the happy result was that we, we got Mr. Tubbs here to uh, do his excellent work for us. The flip side of that is that the 
Capitol Police Department, which had heretofore been um, a group who followed the motto, protect and serve, uh, is now headed by Chief Irwin, who has taken a hostile attitude towards um, civilian rights, uh, even even beyond busting heads at the Capitol of people like uh, Alder Kemble's mom. Um, e- even beyond that, uh, on a day- day-to-day basis, I'll take walks around the Capitol and see a Capitol Police SUV revving it up on the sidewalk and and leaving in hasty fashion with sirens blaring, just seemingly just to intimidate civilians and show them who's boss, knowing that Madison is the enemy um, place populated by liberals who uh, the invading army is intended to uh, keep in check. So um, as one of the supervisors mentioned, this body has one and only one bite at the apple. This is it. Um, So I believe we should send some civilian direction to the um, sheriff's department, even though we love our current sheriff's department. Um, we we can send a message, and that's why I'll be voting no. I think it sends a message. It sends a national message against the militarization of police departments everywhere. And I do appreciate the comment another supervisor mentioned uh, about this being an ongoing conversation. I think uh, Supervisor Hendrick and I and others see this as a series of votes we'll be taking, looking at things like this, asking what's the purpose. A number of supervisors have spoken tonight and said they've looked at this closely. They've seen the purpose. They approve of it. They trust our, the way it would be implemented. And, and so be it. And I praise them for taking that, making that effort. But I, for one, will um, test a no vote and hope that that continues this conversation and um, provides a voice on behalf of Kane County against the militarization of police. And, and finally, Madam Chair, I'd appreciate a roll call on the vote. Yes. Thank you, Madam Chair. Thank you. Supervisor Veldron. Thank you, Madam Chair. If we don't keep the Sheriff's Department up with the most up-to-date hardware, the citizens' lives of Dane County would be in danger, and there'll be blood on the hands of this board. We don't have that here. We don't have that shock that you hear around the country. That's right. What did we hear? We hear... A, an agency, a department that said we're going to go out in, some, in uniforms and we're going, to mi- we're going to mix with the citizens and we're not going to live in fear. And that's what we heard. We heard people contemplating and thinking about what they were doing. But you might hear some of those comments around the country. If you don't get, get us the biggest best, there's going to be problems. Uh, and I think that's where I'm putting my my um, my faith and my and my my um, beliefs and trust. Um, when we did discuss some of the cannabis money uh, funding um, grants months ago, I told the sheriff at the time. I said, you know, this may be less of an issue because I know some of this stuff is happening in my neighborhood, in my district, but. When it came to some of the military stuff, I am concerned, and that's because of we, how we've been bombarded and seen other districts around this country use everything they have all the time. And thankfully, we haven't seen that. We haven't seen it during the, the Capitol protests, as I mentioned, and also during the, 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 all the incidents that surrounded uh, 
the shooting death of Tony Robinson. So I just want to reemphasize how Chief Hook uh, said so eloquently about the contemplation of this department, that it doesn't just run out and hook up everything and, and let's, let's hit the streets. So I just urge everyone to vote yes on this. Thank you. Thank you, Supervisor Veldron. Supervisor Willett. Thank you, Madam Chair. This started as $1,500 toward a pretty simple thing. We've sure solved a lot of problems of the world. But let's go back. Let's go back and talk what this is. This, this is not your MRAMP. It's not the aircraft carrier. We aren't buying that either. We got a picture of it. Not going to get a helicopter. This isn't even equipment. This is training. The most important thing we can talk about. Training. And bomb squads. Really? We don't want to vote for that? Put your name on that. Go ahead. I want training for our officers because I want our 500 officers to come home at night. And that's something we need to talk about. We don't talk about not equipping our officers. We don't talk about them not having training because they need to have the best that there is. They do a wonderful job at what they do. And we need to keep them equipped and keep them trained. If you want to vote against equipment, when equipment comes up, then do that. This is not equipment. Thank you. Thank you, Supervisor Willett. Supervisor Stubbs. Thank you, Madam Chair. My question is for Deputy Chief Hooks. And as he's walking up, I know we had some discussion in personal and finance, and one of the questions I've been continuing to ask has been about crowd control and with our equipment, because I think that's really important for community engagement and for community to understand that we are asking the necessary questions. And I know that this is not used for crowd control, it's training. But my question goes beyond that. When you submit a grant, there's a section on the grant. And I'd like to know, can you talk about, if you mention the sentiments and what's happened in Madison, or uh, how would you like to involve community or aspects from that piece? I know that you'll be doing quarterly reports. So can you talk about what does those quarterly reports include for submission? To the, the people that supply the grant? Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, for the, for the alert, and, and it comes through the Wisconsin Department of Justice from Homeland Security, um, when we report back to them on this particular topic, it's simply what training is available, what training we saw, and what would be appropriate for the Wisconsin teams to uh, train on in the future. And, and there may not be total agreement around the state on what training should or should not be provided, uh, but if, if there was training that didn't meet our community expectations, there's no requirement for us to participate in that. So, I mean, every, every quarter, every uh, discussion that takes place with these meetings, we will talk about what we saw, what we would recommend, and when that board uh, votes on what training will take place, we decide whether we implement it here or not. There's no requirement to do it. Right. So my comment would be to you that as you're submitting and giving these reports, I would ask that you talk about the conversations that we're having as it relates to community. I think it's a very valid conversation, considering we've had a national tragedy, we've had recalls, we've had all kinds of um, incidences that have happened in this state that has required national attention. And so I would ask that you find a moment to include what you're hearing 
as comments and conversation, as well as talking about what it means in our community with training as this representative or whoever it is from the department to go out to look at the other option. Not only do we want our officers to come back home, we want our community to come back home. We don't want another tragedy. And if there's a way that we can prevent, I'm all about prevention. But I also believe in order to do prevention, you have to do inclusion. You have to take it from a perspective of looking at everyone's safety. So I think that should be a nugget that you talk about in the grant piece, and maybe that leads to another grant. But I just want to make sure there's some aspects where community voices are being heard and articulated, and we're not just talking about the safety of our own, but the safety of our community in general. Thank you. Uh, can I respond for one one thing on that? Um, it, it's a fantastic sorry. It's a fantastic point, and I don't know how many of you have heard of or seen the uh, president's uh, report on uh, the task force for 21st century policing. Uh, he can, the president convened a 90-day committee work group uh, early last year to talk about exactly what you just talked about, sort of community relations and how to build police organization and community relations. That report was issued in May of this year. There are six um, components, what do they call them? Uh, uh, sorry, um, six components. And there are recommendations and action items in each of those components. And we have read that report. And actually, we have all of our leaders. We have between our sergeants, lieutenants, captains, me, the sheriff, there are 50 of us leaders in the sheriff's office. All of the leaders are reading that report. And in uh, October, we will be putting together a report of where we are in relation to that president's task force report. And it goes exactly to what you're talking about, building community relations. And the first component of that, the number one component, is to change from what our speaker said earlier from the warrior mentality to a guardian mentality. And there are steps and there are action items on how to do that. And we are well underway on that. Um, we are, when, when we read this report, we are ahead of the curve. And we'll be more than happy to share all of that information with you. And I know the sheriff will want to stand here instead of having me stand here when he talks about that. But um, we'll be more than happy to talk about that in October and November when we we'll get You'll it You'll be able to share that report? Well, absolutely. Great. I'll be looking for a copy. Okay. Thanks. Thank you. Supervisor Bacarville. Um, thank you, Madam Chair. I'll be brief. Um, I know it's getting to be a long night. Um, I am in favor of um, this resolution. Um, I am on the PP&J committee. And I'll speak more to the training side of it um, and just to um, go along with what Supervisor Kohler um, talked about. Um, you can never have enough training. Um, you wouldn't allow a doctor to perform brain surgery on you if you hadn't been uh, trained in that field and gone to medical school. You wouldn't allow a dentist to pull your tooth if you hadn't been trained. Um, you wouldn't hire a lawyer that hadn't been to law school. So um, why would we send our officers out without the proper training? And again, this grant is to research what the opportunities are. Um, the networking part of it alone, I believe the money is valid. Um, that we approved just for that. Uh, folks can um, interact uh, at a conference. That's one of the great benefits of a conference is to just talk to other people and find out what works and what doesn't. Do we want to waste our time with this or don't we? Um, is this something we need or isn't it? 
And um, I would also say um, on the flip side, because of the training, um, there's, there's really no way to count um, things that never happened. And we don't know how many things never happened because people did um, receive training that they needed and, and tragedies have been avoided that we'll, we'll never know about because they never happened. Um, the Columbine thing that was mentioned um, that happened years ago, um, it's been said through the years that had there been training then um, for what we know active shooters to be now that, um, you know, that tragedy could have been minimized, um, the length of time that it took to respond, the things that we know now. So um, I would just encourage everyone to vote in favor of this. It is not a large sum of money. It's a great networking opportunity to find out um, what's worth pursuing and what's not and to keep our residents here in Bing County safe. That's what we're here to do. Thank you. Thank you, Supervisor McCarvel. Supervisor O'Loughlin. Thank you, Madam Chair. Um, I just finished up three days of uh, working with many sheriff's departments, training, and we had officers from New York, uh, from Mississippi, from Illinois, from Wisconsin, from Georgia, from uh, Virginia, Carolinas, and the key word, as other supervisors have stated, was training. But there's a second key word, and that's interaction amongst themselves, learning certain skills that could save their life, whether they're on a motorcycle or they're in the field serving the county. And I think, I think it's important that we segregate the term militarization with the law enforcement um, community. Uh, they don't fit well together. In the military, the theme of the military is totally different than the team of police officers serving our community. And I think we should keep that separate. And I really believe that we have spent just about an hour on a $1,500 resolution $1,500. These uh, officers that came to our three-day uh, motorcycle seminar and training, each one of them, when they came from New York or from Jackson, Mississippi, they spent $1,500 each just to gain that extra training that they could use in their profession. So I ask you to vote for this and uh, stop comparing it to the militarization issue. Thank you. Thank you, Supervisor O'Loughlin. Supervisor Hendrick. Uh, I think I probably only have one minute left. Um, I just want to agree completely with uh, Supervisor O'Loughlin. I think we would benefit from separating military and law enforcement because they are two different jobs. Uh, we've had an excellent description of how having an armored vehicle can de-escalate a situation, and we do have an armored vehicle. We don't need to send someone to find another one. We already have it. Uh, but this is essentially a shopping trip for military equipment for our sheriff's office. The other things that people talked about, while wonderful, training the 20 people that are on the tactical team, great idea, uh, training them how to use the automatic weapons that we have now, I think we already have plenty of automatic weapons, maybe more. I'm not sure how you use automatic military uh, issue automatic weapons to de-escalate a situation, but however many we need, I think we have enough. 
Uh, I'm not sure that the district attorney's office needs military automatic weapons. And as Supervisor Dye mentioned earlier, I think we're sending a message by voting on this. Do we have enough military hardware now? I think we do. So all the other things that we trust the sheriff's office to do, that we thank Chief Deputy Hook, that we thank our sheriff for, all the things that we value, we will still have those if we don't send one person on a shopping trip to find out what the newest gadgets are in military hardware for civilian law enforcement. You've used we don't need this, and uh, this is our chance to send that signal. Thank you. Supervisor Shower. Thank you, Madam Chair. The um, <coughs> newest gadgets here could save lives. Lives of your neighbors, lives of the brave men and women that serve our Sheriff's Department. The, um, that's it. Thanks. Thank you, Madam Chair. Supervisor Saylov. Thank you, Madam Chair. So I think the, the, uh, the key for me is what uh, Chief Deputy Jeff Hook said about the building of a culture in the Sheriff's Department, which is longstanding, and that's what we have to rely on. I'm hearing voices of isolationists. Don't send people to uh, conferences where they might be exposed to bad things. Uh, we have developed a philosophy in our Sheriff's Department where we're, we have employees and deputies that are smart, intelligent, and capable of evaluating what they're seeing. So, very briefly, I want to just give you an, a real live incident. It's called to the scene of a uh, patient that, that was uh, obviously physically abused. Had a broken shoulder, a broken hand, broken finger. A uh, young guy, you know, he looked like, you know, I mean, he had a fancy helmet on it. This was at a festival. Um, he was, I don't think he was that intoxicated, if at all, but, uh, and he was crying. He was, a, you know, he was really a teenager. I mean, he was an adult. I think he was, you know, whatever, close to 20 years old, but he was a kid, if you forgive me, a young guy. He said, those deputies attacked me. Those deputies took me, threw me down, I said, without even hesitating. I said, no, not a Dane County deputy. That was not a Dane County. Oh, yes, they were. They identified themselves. I said, no, they weren't. Well, I have his card right here. No, it wasn't a Dane County deputy. Because I knew immediately that those are not the kind of deputies that we have. Anyway, we've had a long evening. I'm just telling you that I have the faith in our deputies that they need to get out there and see this stuff and make their evaluation of it and come back and do the, do the appropriate thing for this community and for our philosophy of law enforcement. Thank you. Thank you, Supervisor Saloff. I see no more, um, no, no, nobody else asking to speak, so the clerk will take the roll. Krause. Aye. Levin. Aye. Levin, I. Matano. No. Matano, no. McCarville. Carbell I Miles Miles absent Nelson I. Nelson I O'Laughlin O'Laughlin I Pan Pan absent Pertle Pertle I Richmond Richmond absent absent Rip I. Rip I Rit no. Rit No Rusk I. 
Rusk I Selaf. Selaf I Shower. Shower I Schmidt. Schmidt I Solberg. Solberg I Stubbs. Stubbs I Veldrin. Veldrin I Wegleitner. Wegleitner Absent. Willet. Willet I. Wiest. Wiest I. Zweefel. Zweefel I. Baird. Baird I. Bollig. Bollig I. Chenoweth. Chenoweth I. Clausius. Clausius I. De Felice. De Felice I. Downing. Downing I. Die. Die I. Erickson. Erickson I. Farrell. Farrell I. Gillis. Gillis I. Hendrick. Hendrick no Kiefer. No. Kiefer no Kolar. Aye. Kolar I. Corrigan. Aye. Corrigan I. 29 ayes, 4 noes. Um, the resolution 116 is approved. The next resolution is M4, resolution 133, authorizing new project for Medicaid comprehensive community services intake and eligibility. Is there discussion? Supervisor Dye. Uh, thank you, Madam Chair. Given that this is a new project position, I just uh, wanted to ask Director Green to give us some information about the program and who will be served. Thank you. So I will be brief, but this is a very exciting program for Dane County. The department was certified on July 1st by the state to do um, to receive benefits for uh, consumers under the Comprehensive Community Services. It's a card service for Medicaid um, people who consumers who have a diagnosis of mental health or substance disorder. Um, what, it, what you're able to get is the full cost of their care, and the match for this is provided by the state, so there are no county dollars in this benefit at all. We believe that it will expand our mental health and substance abuse services to hundreds of more consumers in Dane County and will we'll provide services upwards of, it could be $6 million next year. Um, we are going to use it to uh, fund services, supportive services in the REFKI housing um, that we're um, undertaking with the city to, for the homeless population. We're hoping to be able to expand services to uh, the homeless population. There will not be any waiting lists, so it is an extremely exciting program for serving, as I said, hundreds of more people with um, both mental health and substance abuse services. Thank you, Lynn. Any further discussion? Supervisor Dye. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Director Green. I just want to say that just this week I was talking with some providers in our uh, homeless and housing services, and they were wishing that there was more capacity for them to refer folks for additional mental health or substance abuse services. Um, so it's really exciting that this is coming online. It's something that people are asking for and there definitely is unmet need. Um, so thank you so much to the department for the work to qualify us for this and I'm really looking forward to seeing it come online. Thank you, Supervisor Dye. Supervisor Levin. Just to follow up, um, actually have, and normally I don't circulate broadly, the uh, Times HHN accepts money, but we are accepting uh, money that will be on our next um, 
uh, agenda, probably, or maybe two. Uh, it's uh, annualized at about uh, $350,000 for uh, CCS services. So it's something that we look to expand upon as well. And so we're very uh, happy that the department has uh, been awarded these dollars and uh, certified. Thank you. So further discussion? This um, resolution needs a two-thirds majority, and I'd like to record it as having passed unanimously. Is there any objection to recording it passed unanimously? I see no objection. So this resolution, Resolution 133, um, will be recorded as having passed unanimously. Our next item is Resolution M6. I mean, item M6, Resolution 135, accepting additional funding for food share employment and training. What's before us is the, H, the Health and Human Needs um, Action. Supervisor Baird. Supervisor Baird moves sub one. Is there a second? Seconded by Veldrin. Is there discussion on sub one to Resolution 135? Seeing none, all those in favor say aye. aye. Opposed say no. The ayes have it, and sub one is approved. Resolution 135, as amended by sub one, um, is before us, and I'd like to report this as having passed unanimously. Is there any objecting, objection to recording resolution 135 as having passed unanimously? Seeing none, resolution 135 has passed unanimously and will be so recorded. Is there, under O, such other business as the county board is authorized to conduct by law? Is there any requests? Seeing none, is there a motion to adjourn? Moved by Shower, seconded by Levin. All those in favor say aye. aye. Opposed say no. The ayes have it, and we are adjourned. Will